So, as we were saying earlier, we were looking at the thought system, I was talking to Kevin, and there's the sense of there's thoughts, lots and lots and lots of thoughts, and a lot, a lot of feelings arise during the day. But then there's this, right prior to recognizing the thoughts, yeah, and recognizing the seeing, there's a, there's a, the system presents its main uh, position, which is the mind, yeah? So, once a thought is claimed, it assumes there's a claimer, yeah? So, the act of a my thought points to that there's someone who has the thought or is the doer of the thought, yeah? Same thing with feeling. There's a lots of different feelings, but the mind's always the same. The mind points to a pseudo-one or a phantom one that is either having this occur to them or they're doing it, yeah? So, tons and tons of thoughts happen during the day, but they're usually preceded with not, you don't see this movement, which is the mind, the claiming, because it's not in a thought form, it's more a movement of mind, yeah? It's represented by the word my, but you're not saying my thought with every thought, yeah? The thought is being seen, but how it's held as if, as if it's mine. And who is that which is, who is it that's behind the mind? A someone, yeah? A singularity, a doer, or a haver, or someone that can be, uh, events can occur to. Yeah? It's always implied. So the mind produces a sense that, oh, there's a proprietor of this thought, or there's a proprietor of the feeling, or there's a proprietor of the event. Or, or a problem. In other words, it's not just a problem when the my is there. The my assumes that there's someone who's having the problem. That's the bigger problem. Yeah? The, the indication when that my is going unnoticed, and it usually is, that's how thoughts are held. They're held in this, like a frame of mind. Feelings are held in this frame of mind. These are my feelings. <coughs> The body is held in that frame of mind. This is my body. Time is held in that frame of mind. And that frame of mind produces an illusory phantom face. Yeah? The face that's taken to be the, the face of this body. So the body represents, the, is like the, um, the flagpole of the mind. Yeah? And the mind frames your portrait. And that portrait is of a you. But when it's, when it's thought about, it's actually a me. Yeah? And the me is, the mind has sort of taken the attributes of I or consciousness yeah? and wedded it to the body, the you, and then it calls it me. Because everyone that's looking at, this, at Paul right now is, if they describe what they were doing in, a, in language, would be, I'm seeing you. Yeah? They could say Paul, but the basic thing is the object, the body, is the you. Yeah? Yet, no matter how many people, 800 billion people, let's say, were looking at it, and you ask them, in their experience, I'm a you. Yeah? But I would override all of that evidence, and I'd call it me. And there's only one me. So, in this sense of claiming this body to be my body, I make the you into a me. Yeah? The mind does. The mental process. And then the me 
yeah, is what the mind represents. So every time a thought is held as mine, it's the me. It's not the you, yeah, it's the me. It's the combination of the awareness of the thought, and then given that attribute of the awareness, and then inject it into the body to be the one who's aware, that's the me. Yeah. And even the me, the, we went over to, we were doing a, talk, a thing in recovery from this little book called As Bill Sees It, and he was talking about the major instinct of humans, which is self-preservation. And every time someone mentions that instinct of self-preservation, it brings my mind back to a night when I was in my little cellar when I was younger, where I used to do drugs. And I was doing an LSD, and we were going to go to a concert in the city. And I had done maybe a tab and a half of LSD. And I was flipping pretty good. And my head kept trying to say, well, take seven downs. Yeah? The me kept saying, take about seven downs, which probably could have killed the body with the condition I was in. But the me doesn't have, its instinct of self-preservation is not of the body. It's to preserve the me. Yeah? It could give a shit about the body. That's the demonstration I had that night when I was like 17 years old. It kept egging me on to do a huge amount of barbiturates on like a, a you know, a, a hit and a half of LSD. And then go to the city on Long Island Railroad. <laughs> Which would have been total disaster. And yet, yet it sounded like a great idea. Not actually for the you or the I, but the me. Yeah? So this feeling of the my the claiming or the being the proprietor or being the doer of is the unspoken activity of mind, yeah? You don't even see the thought anymore. You just have a feeling, yeah? So every time a thought is claimed and the mind puts it, it presents, it, put, it like incites a sense of what? Of being a self. And it's once that, in, that sense of being a self is excited, then this, what the self represents is a lot, a lot of conditioning, you know, a lot of beliefs, a lot of old ideas. You have no idea. They don't weren't uh, harvested just in this lifetime. It's just a young, giant mental catacomb. And yet, over the bridge of my, yeah, through the lens of the me, or the identification as a self, the mind gives meaning to everything. And so, you, the mind projects the meaning, you perceive the thought, the perception of the thought, the awareness of the thought, cooks the thought, the, the thought opens, and then the meaning your mind gave it now becomes, you become aware of it, as if it was brought to you by the thought, yeah? Or that you were doing it. So because the sense of a doership was there, every thought, once its, once its content is displayed, then you, the mind just riffs on it. These are bad thoughts, good thoughts. It, it starts separating the ones, this and that, that these are the perverse thoughts, these are secret, this makes da 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 And all it does is promote selfing upon selfing upon selfing. Yeah? All because the conscious contact of the activities that are going on has been claimed, and you, as the sense of being a me, are the one who's supposed to be doing all that. Which is a huge leap. Yeah? So... Like Ramana Maharshi said about possessions, he said, you know, stop freaking 
paraphrasing, you know, it's not about giving up your possessions, but to give up the sense of being the possessor. Yeah? So it's not like giving up the thoughts. Hello. It's the, it's the idea of recognizing the thought prior to the thought. Yeah? That thought that's more like a stream now, or a feeling, or a vague sense, which is the mind, which is pointing to a someone. Yeah? Once a thought, the my is attached to it, that my indicates there's someone there. Yeah? Without a someone, there would be no movement of mind. The movement of claiming produces the illusion of being the claimant, yeah? the claimer. The claimer is the bondage. The claimer is, is, is the uh, conduit for the meaning of mind to be distributed into feelings and thoughts. So those feelings and thoughts are drenched with meaning. But the feelings and thoughts do not come with those meanings inherently in their activity. They're given those meanings through the conditional mind. Yeah? That's why a thought in your head may drive you crazy, but if I'm sitting next to you and I'm very clear that it isn't my thought, I'm, I, have n I have total immunity to being affected by what's driving you crazy. Yeah? The same thought, if it's held as mine, has the ability to drive this crazy. Yeah? So it's not the thought, obviously. It's the mind. Yeah? And it's not even the my, it's what the my signifies. The my is the phantom production of the one behind the my. Yeah? So a body, yeah, my body, a lot of meaning is around that. Not so much, just not from the my, but the my points to the one who has the body. And that one, that one is the obsession. That one is the bondage of self. Yeah. The bondage, the self, is predicated on that phantom. The activity of being bonded is conscious contact being claimed as a someone who's in contact with the thoughts, as a someone called Paul who's having the feelings, as someone called Paul who's having the activities. Yeah? That's the activity of the bondage. But the bondage, the real glue is from the phantom self. Yeah? Because the Maya arises... The my's meaning is that there's the claiming, but the claiming always presupposes a claimer. Yeah? So sometimes you can see the thought, you can see the feeling, you may even sense the claiming of it, but very rarely you, you ever question the claimer that gets, gets uh, produced in that activity. The claimer is that false sense of it being a you, the what you feel like. Yeah? Like, when there's thoughts going on, there's a feeling that they're about you or you're doing them, yeah? That's a product of selfing. Have you, you know where we are tonight? No. No. Have you ever heard of this Zen bitch lab, you know? No, I was just told about it downstairs. Oh, did you? <laughs> they sent you up here. You must be a hard case. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what you're about. I don't want to interrupt. All right, all right. No, no, no. But it, basically, if you're in recovery, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, all right. So what we're sharing here, I come from recovery, I have about 24 years and stuff. Uh, what we share here is... Uh, <laughs> it's hard to say, but let's just say it's a diagnosis of what we think is the primary activity of the problem, yeah? Which is not obsession with self, but identification as a self. Mm -hmm. yeah? 
Obsession with self, I believe, is what a mind does that's, that went in the identification as a self. For that identification to be kept in place, it must obsess over the idea of being me. Yeah. So, a lot of people are trying to get out of the obsession with self, but they're trying to get out of the obsession with self, maybe knowing, maybe not knowing, that they're taking themselves to be a self, trying to get out of self, which is impossible. Even in AA, we say it, you know, self can't get out of self. So, if the root of the problem is identification as self, there may be the sense of being a self trying to get out of self, which isn't going to bear that much fruit. Yeah. Hello? Oh, yeah. Yeah? There'll be some relief, things will happen, but there won't be a stabilization of a shift, because self can't get out of self. And if there's an identification as self in place, very rarely does the person know that. Yeah? Because the feeling of being an individual person is the identification as self. <laughs> so it's very difficult to diagnose self from self. Yeah? For me, I heard it from the outside, and when that little bit of information was dropped into the thought system, it made a big splash, and I started to entertain it, and it, it bore out its investigation. I never found anyone back there who was constantly being assumed. <laughs> you know what I mean? All the while, my mind was indulged in a lot of meaning-giving. Yeah. And the mind, if you look at the thought system that's going on in your head now, the thought system holds you as a body. Yeah. That's how it pictures you. Because when it thinks of when the thought system thinks about you, let's say in the past, it presents it as a body. Yeah. Or you wouldn't be able to think about you a year ago. Because the only way you can locate yourself a year ago from here is as a body. Yeah. Memory. Yeah. And the one that we're worrying about is presented as a body. So when I'm worrying about me three years from now, the mental process, it's picturing me as a body. Yeah? That's what it's worrying about. That, that's what it takes to be me. That's like its flag. Yeah? It can constantly fixate over this little flagpole anywhere else at any other time. It can just go crazy, but it can't leave the track of time. It goes from the past to the future, past, future. It only has two gears. And it uses the, the scenery of the moment to drive itself crazy. Yeah. If I was only really here, I'd be able to enjoy this. And it's never gonna, there's no third or fourth gear. It's just past, future, past, future, past, future. And the vehicle it uses to travel on this track of time is the body. Yeah. For it to think about something in the future, it usually places you there. That's what draws your attention and interest. If you just thought about some place, it wouldn't last that long. But either you're thinking about that place from you, or you're thinking about you in the place. <laughs> it's the you, the sense of being identified as this, that your interest and attention is glued to. And it's your interest and attention that either bonds you or enriches your life. It's all it's that simple. Yeah? What I've discovered is the interest and attention is usually drawn to whatever you take yourself to be. So if you take yourself to be a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, yes, when this thought system is, is uh, illuminated by the interest and attention, that thought system is going to go to, to you all around this track of time, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
And no matter how hard you try to get your interest and attention off it, the interest and attention has a, it's almost like a force. It's going to go to whatever you believe you are. So if you take yourself to be a body and a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, and all the thought system is held as, I'm the doer of these thoughts, or they're about me, you're going to be basically fucked. Because you won't be able to enjoy the moment. Because you're now, your whole mind is structured in time. So if there's something really nice happening now, you, you will have a thought that it won't be there tomorrow. Yeah? How can you really let go when there's going to be another day? Everything is considered. Everything is reserved. Everything is a sense of contraction. Because you don't know what it's going to be like later. So you don't really feel safe to let yourself go. Yeah. But there is a part of mind that the value system is based here. Yeah. In what's happening. Not in what's not happening. It's based on what's happening. And therefore, you start having an immunity to there and then because now your interest and attention, this is its central point to be centered, not self-centered, but centered. Yeah? And centered is what's ever going on right now. That's the point of centeredness. Self-centeredness can be any other time in any other place. Yeah? Usually, it's that very rarely is it here. Yeah? Very, very rarely. And so let's just say selfing is this drive, this, this wanting to be a self, the mental process is doing now, can the mind, which has its own nature, ever become a body? I don't believe it can, yeah? So this desire to be a person, an individual entity, will never be fulfilled. Yeah? It can't. So it's always selfing, selfing, selfing. It's trying to become something, or it's trying to unbecome something, yeah? You may think you're a real asshole, you don't want to be that. You may really want to be a loving person, so you're trying to become that, yeah? So selfing is all about... Becoming and unbecoming, becoming and unbecoming. But it never reaches a climax. It never is. Yeah? Because you are already something else. Yeah? It never is. So here's this desire, this desire to become, which never can be fulfilled. So what happened with me is it produces an irritable restlessness and discontent because it's seeking relief from the unfulfilled original desire. So now, what, my first solution to alcoholism was drinking. Yeah. which produced an addiction. There was never a point that I drank and I reached, I reached a lovely state of, of uh, equanimity. You know, Never to have to drink again. I'm totally satisfied. I've actually reached my quota. I never shot enough coke where one day I took the needle on my arm and I said, Hallelujah. I love coke, but that, I, there's no more need for it. I'm totally satiated. No, every addiction keeps on going, doesn't it? Because what it's attempting to replace or fulfill can never be fulfilled. You are something already. You are not a body. Yeah? If you want to talk about a spirit, you're a spirit or a mind or a, a nothingness, which can never transform into a body and lose its own nature. Yeah? That's why the mind hates the, the conditional mind, doesn't like to be here, because here it can be very obvious that it's not so. So it just gets very obsessed about you there and you then. Yeah. And then you're trying to get into the moment. Maybe you're not. Some people are trying to get into the moment, but the fact is you can't be out of the moment. You, know, you are the moment. 
And then you're trying to get out of self, and the fact is you can't be in a self. That's the, ra- that's the radical solution. When you realize you can never, nor were you, nor will you ever be a self, that is fucking, then the need to be liberated is relieved of. Because what wants liberation is self. Yeah? What you are doesn't need liberation one bit. That's its nature. It's never been bound. This whole bondage of self is, a, the problem is imaginary. That's the solution. Yeah? If you re, when you realize, I'm not that, there's nothing, you don't turn around and start looking for what you are. That's what you are, is not that. <laughs> you are that. You are what sees what you're not. Yeah? And there's a freedom in it. A radical freedom. Not of time. One of the things you get freed from is time. The preoccupation of time with the mental system. Haven't you noticed? Even you work really hard to get to a point where you really think you're going to be able to enjoy it, yet you can't even enjoy that moment that you seem to work so hard because the mind's racing ahead. But what will happen tomorrow? Yes? When are they going to find out I'm a fraud? I don't deserve this. It's all this yapping going on. And your interest and attention, even though you may know it's absurd, it keeps following it down that track. You can't help but get on that train. So alcoholism, so there. The real, I think, the primary addiction is mind addicted to the idea of being a self. Alcoholism is a subdivision of that, an extreme subdivision. My solution was the primary fuel of the problem, drinking and using drugs. So just like if I had a bug in my gut, there's this bug called candida, yeah? It lives in the intestines, and actually it can go through the intestinal wall and travel all around the body. Now candida needs fuel, yeah? One of the fuels it likes is a basic, simple sugar. It gets out of like carbohydrates like white bread and bagels and stuff like that. So a person who has candida tends to like that kind of food, white bread and bagels. And all the while is claiming that it's the lover of bagels and white bread. But basically the candida just jacked into the system and said, hey brother, you're going to like what I want because that's my fuel. Yeah, the same thing with alcoholism. It jacks in there, and then you, the whole dilemma of self is, whatever arises, you attempt to claim, as if you're the one who did it. Yeah? So you're being motivated by a, a fungus in your body that's actually writing out your desires on a menu, and you're claiming the love of every one of those things. I love bagels. I love white bread. <laughs> it's all being produced by an intelligence of a bug, like a fungus. Yeah? Alcohol is like a parasite. It's jacked into the thought system. The thought system that produces the sense of self. Yeah? So most people in, in AA, like when I go to meetings, I never identify with who you are. I identify with what's taking you over. That's what I know. I know that if you're there and I listen to you, I can tell if you've been taken over by alcoholism. Why? Because I've been taken over by alcoholism. Yeah? And alcoholism has a certain set of traits. It doesn't have millions of traits. But millions of people are demonstrating those traits who, who are called alcoholics, yes? And yet, most of the time, even though it's been demonstrated, 
that it says in our book, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us on page 64, very important statement, self manifested in all these different ways. See, how it manifests is the claiming of what's the activity of being alive. It claims the thoughts as I'm the thinker. It claims feelings as my feelings. It claims by my body. This is how it manifests here in a lot of different ways. So self manifesting in all these different ways is what has defeated us. So if you read that statement, it sounds like there's a difference between self and us. Yeah? Now, if you go into a room and you ask people who have the understanding that self has defeated them, if you ask them what self defeated them, they all have the same answer. Myself. My. Yeah? So the self doesn't have the ability to defeat you because someone else's self usually isn't defeating you unless you're you know, in a relationship with them for about a year maybe. But they're not usually defeating you. It's the my that defeats you. Yeah? So self is a system when it's claimed to be you then that system has the ability to defeat you. So it's an identification with the idea of being a self, which opens you up to the defeat of self. Yes? So it's all right. Self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. We will now look at its, meaning self's, common manifestations, the bigger ones. And then the next paragraph is resentment. Yeah? So the whole inventory process is looking at the manifestations of self in our lives. Yeah? Yet, when people share, they call the manifestations of self in their lives theirs. My feeling, my fears, my resentments, my harming other people, yeah? The claiming of the expressions of the disease is a form of being bonded to the disease. How could you not be bonded to the disease when its movement is identification and you're identifying as the doer of all its expressions? <laughs> I mean... How are you going to parcel out which is which? How are you going to parcel out where self ends and you start? If you're identified with its expressions, you don't even know they're not yours, where are you going to go from there? It's important to have the right diagnosis. If we're in a program recovery and everyone a lot of times is hopping, they're actually speaking from the active Production of the problem by claiming its expressions instead of saying, yeah, resentments occur, fears occur, these things, but the hell to, to have them tattooed as mine, you're already bonded to them. Yeah? My is an, watch, just see what happens. A thought has a meaning, my thought, huge meaning. Yeah? Feelings, all right, have meanings, my feelings, huge, yeah? Sex, my sex, huge meaning difference. Money, my money, unbelievably different meaning. Yeah? The my is the act of identification. It's, it indicates that there's someone who has that thing. So when my is there, so a thought implies there's someone who has the thought. That's the disease. That someone that's implied all day, I don't believe is you. That someone is pictured as a body, as an individual entity with severe limitations, very, very few possibilities, stuck in this, this, this linear story of time and always going to be at an end. We're all dying as a body. What a bad deal. <laughs> Jesus, 
don't understand why we hold on to it so dearly. <laughs> it's a really bad deal. You'll never... <laughs> so what happened with me when I entertained it I finally got fucking radical relief from the activity of the disease of alcoholism and that's that a radical fucking freedom from it therefore I know the problem by the solution Yeah, I don't know the problem by the problem I know the problem by the solution. And the problem is imaginary. I'm not that. It's a phantom. The mind's making it up. It's projecting a someone behind all the thoughts, all the feelings, all the experiences by the my. The activity of my is a frame that then there's a presupposed portrait inside the frame. Never seen, but always assumed by the thought system. Yeah, check it out. The my is a frame, so everything gets claimed, and there's a subtle or very obvious, there must be a claimer. That is the self. The sense of self is that phantom claimer, the phantom haver, the phantom doer. Yeah. All right, so, okay. Actions occur. My actions, and they turn out to be bad. I hurt people and this and that. Yeah. My actions. So the my's in place. The my indicates there was a someone who did those actions. That was me. Yes? That possibility produces a branch where all guilt and shame rests on. All guilt and shame rests on being the personal doer. Yeah? And saying, instead of seeing in the first step of recovery, which it says you were powerless over alcohol. So in other words, when you were under the influence of the disease, it was like dancing with a gorilla. You're not going to stop until it wants to stop. Yeah. So when alcoholism was dominant in you, you were just a transportation. You were a vehicle for its expression. Yet, when we start coming to, there's the real foundation of disease in place because you claim to have been the doer in all those actions even though you were powerless over the effects. You did not know what was going to happen that night, but I bet you you have a strong feeling that you did it. Yeah. Even though, very clearly said, we were powerless over alcohol. When I'm powerless over something, that has the biggest say than I do. Then why are you claiming all the events that happen when you're under alcoholism and drugs as being the doer of it? Because the system, that's its primary movement. It's not going to break, it's not going to stop. Yeah? In intellectual information, self-knowledge will avail us nothing. When the knowledge is presented and the self claims it, that knowledge is neutered. It will never lead to freedom from self. You'll just know more about self, which will actually produce more fucking pain. Because now you can't get relief from it because you're not drinking and using so sometimes for a year or two, people are really fucking bummed out until they find other things to do to get some distraction and some fun. Yeah? <laughs> Jesus, it's a serious dilemma. You still have untreated alcoholism. I mean, the real root, the real root is untreated. <laughs> if, you know, you'll start seeking in pornography, you'll seek in this, you'll seek in that. You know, the seeking is driven by an imperative to get relief. From what? From self. No, but we're busily trying to get relief for self. We're stopping for it every fucking day. 
<laughs> We're bringing as much relief as we can. Look at this new thing I bought. We bring it to it, and it goes, oh, I really like this. <laughs> Out again. Go, seek, seek thee, seek thee. It's like a form of slavery. Yeah? So we're busily trying to get relief for self and then instead of from it. When it's relief from self, it can be fucking radical. When you see that you're not that, then the biggest, biggest lock is broken. Because if you're identified as that, no matter how hostile it is, you'll never be able to entertain being free of it. Because you're taking yourself to be it. Yeah. So a lot of people will stay sober, but they'll kill themselves. They want to get some fucking relief. Because, but they can't, they can't see that they could actually walk away from it because they take it to be themselves. Yeah. But if you're not that, this is what happened with me. When it really hit me that I was not that, the, the, what immediately my mind did was, hey, I can be free of it. Yeah. It finally entertained the possibility of radical freedom. Not for it, but from it. And that started like, I don't know, 13 years ago. <laughs> All I needed was the possibility. You can't go to that possibility as a self. You'll never get there. You'll try. You'll have to work at therapizing it, maybe socializing it, maybe you know negotiating with it, trying to get it satisfied. You know, somehow you'll constantly bringing offerings to it, and maybe hopefully you'll say yes for a little while for some, but usually no. But to be free from it, you can't. You have to see it as not you. That's my take on it. And you know, so when I was introduced to this idea, hey, Paul, because so I, I was looking for another meditation technique. I was a big seeker out there. I was seeking, you know, seeking, seeking my true self, whatever. And I was looking for another meditation technique, and the person just slipped this little statement. He says, why not ask who's the meditator? You know, just check it out. Maybe, the, maybe just... Go back over that bridge of mind and see the, pic the picture, the portrait in the frame of the mind. You may not see anyone there. It's just a phantom like the Wizard of Oz behind the big curtain. Yeah? You may not see. And when you see that there's no one there, the possibility of really being free from that is realized. It may take time out, time here to express. There may be some moving in and out a little bit, but I think the uh, immunity will build over time. You'll have an immunity to the mind. So thoughts will be seen as thoughts, feelings will be feelings. Instead of life happening to you, you'll see life is happening, and you'll have a whole new vision. And I find that vision uh, facilitates traveling light in you for a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, this has been road tested. I've been living for a long time now. <laughs> I've gone over a lot of different terrain, and you know, shit happens, but I travel lighter over it all. That's a, that's a pretty good uh, endorsement. So then you ever see in the book that goes into, uh, there's a lot of stuff about doing and having. Though. You're in recovery too? No? Oh, well, you'll get it a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so there's in some of the book, it's about doing and having, and then these things will occur. But then there's a large part of the book where it says things are going to happen with no thought or effort on your part. Yeah? So there's different aspects of mind that get revealed. 
There seems to be mind still like shining, the sunlight of spirit shining into the system of self-centeredness. And then there's a, there's a light outside that system. Like, you will cease fighting everyone and anything. The problem will not exist for you anymore. Yeah? And the problem will not exist for you stabilizes when it does not exist as you, really. That's when it really gets pretty good. You'll cease fighting, and it says anyone and anything, not just drugs and alcohol, anyone and anything. You'll be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part. This is like mind. That's like transformation of mind. Yeah, That's grace. That's not done by effort. There's no way effort would ever find itself there. Grace comes, and you could have never taken a path to get there, because it's not rote. It's not a formulated sidewalk. Grace has a strange mechanism. Yeah? I've been reminded of it because uh, they've been, I've been asked to share a lot in recovery lately. And there was this statement at a meeting we were at where they were talking about the bottom. The person was in the bottom, the depths of their incomprehensible demoralization. And then they asked for help, and then something happened. Yeah? Now, that wasn't my experience. When I, when the day I stopped drinking was a regular day at the office, you know, I had already submitted myself to my destiny, institution, jails, and death. I just was wanted to stay as loaded as I could until I went to the next cell or the next institution or to the coffin, really. Yeah? I had no intention of looking for recovery. I spent two years in a drug and alcohol program. And yet, I was sitting in this trailer park, in this trailer with this guy I didn't know, drinking Royal Gate Vodka, and just out of the blue, something inserted itself in my head, like a download. I didn't know I had the, uh, like the slot to receive this download, you know. This thing, something came in, and for about three minutes, the selfing, that constant stream of narration about me, I, me, my, I, me, my, I, me, my, got broken. And it was so long since I re- had it not been there, I didn't, I, I didn't believe it could ever not be there, you know. But it stopped for about three minutes. And suddenly, I didn't pick up the world gate vodka. There was no thought about it. I just didn't take the next slug, you know, as we were passing back and forth. And I started have I had a hit, like a CNN news flash. No big story. And the news flash says, I'm fucked. Yeah? And I'd been fucked for quite a while. But it was like news to me. It was incredible. It broke through this giant haze of denial. And it hit me. And... It just came over me, and I, I walked out and went to a phone booth, and I called the program I had been in ten months before for two years, and I asked if I could come back, and he, they said no, and then that set off trains of circumstances, and I got to my first meeting, I think that night, or the ne- that night, this lady had to pick me up, driving back here, and under the thing that I, I'd be able to stay at her house if I went to the meeting, that's the only reason why I was motivated, I wanted a place to stay took me to my first recovery meeting, and I've been clean and sober ever since. It just blew my mind. So, I had tons of bottoms, but that, the bottoms never initiated it. This was grace, man. My, something just broke through the little story of Paul and, and wrote a whole new story. <laughs> it just, the thing just came to a halt, yeah? And then I went a different direction. Now, that causes me to be very curious of that space that that came from. Yeah, shit. If I could, instead of just being the beneficiary of it, would have absolutely no idea, I'd like to see who sent that, yeah? I probably, it would probably be really incredible to get a sense of where that came from, you know? To me, that's the spiritual awakening, 
is when you wake up to your spiritual condition, not as an attribute of your physical identification, but as your true nature, that you are of spirit. I am not a body. I don't stop here, and then you start there. What's all of this? Yeah. I would say we're more of this, the nothingness, than we are of what's appearing. Yeah. And so it says in the book, you know, your daily reprieve will be contingent on the maintenance of your spiritual condition. And I'll tell you, the highest form of maintenance I found is to be a spiritual condition. Yeah. To be one. Yeah. If I am a spiritual condition, then every freaking day I'm alive, that's lubricating the spiritual condition. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like that BMW. It is self-tuning. <laughs> it does actually work. <laughs> so, it's like around this great master I really like, Ramana Maharshi said, to know God is to be God. Yeah. So to know a spiritual condition is to be a spiritual condition. That's knowledge that has value. That hasn't been claimed by self because... When the when self claims the knowledge of your spiritual condition, it still presupposes you're a body that's having a spiritual experience or having a spiritual condition. You see, it always plays God. It always places its primary take as the Alpha and the Omega, and then from that position, no matter what you run into, it will never become supreme because you're already something. Yeah? This knowledge is different. It's not claimed by self. And the knowledge is, you are of spirit. Yeah? And when you have that recognition, you're of spirit, that recognition is the maintenance of the spiritual condition. Yeah? So their spirituality and, or spiritual effects aren't framed in certain only temples and only, like, uh, only meditations and everything like that. The whole idea of spirit, see, bro, the whole idea of spirit gets huge, yes? Because right where you are at every point is the spiritual condition. You are that which you're seeking. Yeah. Yeah. Which saves a lot of time because there's nowhere you need to go. Because wherever you are, that's where it is. <laughs> that's the access point. It's not in the Himalayas. You may go there and you know cultivate it and, and amp it up. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But if you believe you have to go somewhere to get this, then you're in the system of self-centeredness. That's that whole idea of doing and having to become is pointless yeah, if you are already. Yeah? You can't do and have yourself into what you already are. There's just a recognition you are already that. Yeah? So AA is a great lifestyle. It facilitates It's like creates manipulated pauses where in those moments where the system of thought and interpretation of self-centeredness gets like frozen, like a computer getting frozen, yeah? Those pauses, which are like gateways to seeing your original face in a sense, we have meetings everywhere around the world, you know? Someone's flipping out, can't take their attention off the thoughts, they go to a meeting for an hour. Sometimes it'll break that train of self-will. Yeah? You'll have a pause and not put your foot in your mouth and sit off all these trains of circumstances that are going to bring you a lot of misfortune you feel you don't deserve. All those things can be stopped 
But I would say, and it also says in the book, you know, pause when agitated. And selfing is always agitated. What do you think seeking is? Seeking is promoted by agitation. If you were totally okay, there'd be no drive to be seeking anything. Yeah? If you were, if you were really fine with what's happening right now, there'd be no seeking for it. I want someone who isn't here to be here. I want someone who's here not to be here. None of that would be going on. It, would have, it wouldn't take any of your attention. You'd just be resting in this presence of being alive and conscious. Yeah? That would be the value system now. Yeah? Which you can't accrue. You can't, you can't get more conscious. You can think you are, but consciousness is consciousness. Yeah? So, it's happened like, I think I was 11 years sober. Yeah? 12 years sober. I heard this message. And it became like an unspoken yes. And then my mind changed. And then I was reading the book because I was doing workshops. I used to do fourth-step workshops in AA recovery. And so I'd always read how it works. It's just a big chapter in the book. And uh, the words and the sentences took on all new meaning. And when I saw the word self, man, a lot of downloads started to occur, which is, it's a parasite. It's a movement, yeah? It's a mental, it's like a mental wind that has parasitical tendencies or a foreign installment. And that's the value if you recognize it's not you, man, all, a lot more possibilities arise. Yeah. You can be free from it. You don't have to wait for it to become free because you'll be waiting a long time. Yeah. It's the nature of bondage. Yeah. So, that's the message, in a sense, in the framing of recovery. Yeah. If you see that, I know I don't. I'm not saying it doesn't have effects. It has effects, but its its essential nature is imaginary. Yeah? If you can and just and start entertaining that, maybe starting with thoughts, instead of see the feeling of that there's a you that's having them. That's the product of the selfing. When you have that feeling, the trance has worked in a way. <laughs> that's what it's like. <laughs> So, if, you don't, if, if it seems like too much relief, we have a perfect stepping stone of recovery because you go to meetings and after a few months, you're, uh, you're open to a lot of influence of other people who suffer from the same disease. And basically the meetings are about sharing feelings and thoughts and reactions to life. Yes? And when, if you just listen, just it could happen the first meeting, but if you listen a while, you have to come to the conclusion that how do these people have my thoughts? Because yeah. they sure seem similar to the way I think, and they sure seem similar to the way I feel, and they seem to do the same things I do in certain situations. Yeah, how? Where did they get my feelings and my thoughts? Well, maybe they're not yours. Yeah, maybe they're alcoholic. Maybe a thought system called alcoholism has captured all our interest and attention and has trances out to believe this bastardized version of being a self that has filled with alcoholism. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, that's the case. Because if you see it, if you go all around the world, you go to tons of meetings, there's not millions of characteristics and traits that an alcoholic demonstrates. They're all very similar. That's why we laugh at the same fucking jokes and shit, and normal people flip out. 
because they don't have the same thought system. They have a self-centered system, but not alcoholic or addictive. We're like an, ex- like an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness here. <laughs> so we feel a fam- an identification with that. We, but we take it to be the body. Yeah? I'm thinking I'm identified with Kevin here. I'm not identified with Kevin at all. I don't know where he's from, m- different neighborhoods. I'm identified with what's taking him over. He has the same sort of mind frame that this has. But it isn't yours, nor is it mine. It's not even ours. Yeah. But ours is helpful. As soon as the hour turns into a mind, you get fucked, don't you? Really. If you take it as alcoholism, you got a little space. If you take it as yours, you're really claustrophobic. Yeah. Especially because usually it will cause you to be in isolation and just start yapping away. And once it convinces you of a fuck it, and then you make a choice, it's like the candida getting its bagel. The alcoholism gets its fuel, because it doesn't have it all. You can't drink. Yeah? It doesn't have a mouth. But it wants it. Yeah? It has a drive to get that fucking chemicals. And once it gets it, the genie's out of the bottle. You're fucked. You, know? yeah. you may have a little bit of a groove of jealousy, throw some liquor in there, you're up on stalking charges in <laughs> about a month. You know what I mean? It just, it just goes amplification like that. It's like putting miracle grow on a defect, you know, like they say. You just put a little, oh, this will solve the problem. <laughs> it like spawns millions of problems. <laughs> so there is a solution. You know? It's available. They said in the book that they do but a little, that other people are going to add on to it. I'm not saying I'm that person who's added on to it, but we got to open to that possibility that this program can be added on to. It's not changing the principle, it's just changing the diagnosis of the problem. It's not obsession with self, it's identification with self. If it was obsession with self, a lot of people would be happy, joyous, and free because they worked on it quite a lot. Yeah? But that happiness, joyousness, and freedom doesn't seem to stabilize. So, instead of blaming us as a bad practitioner, maybe we just made a mistake. The diagnosis could be more clarified, yeah? I found it worked when I started holding it this way. It made a huge difference. And it really gave up. It just it enriched the program. Because now I go to the meetings, and I feel that loving God expressing itself through our group presence, yeah? We're all a bunch of assholes, but there's a sweet perfume produced when we're together. Yeah? It's not individual. Some, part, some aspect of mind is using this opportunity to express itself to. That, to me, is the source of grace. That presence is the source of grace in our lives. Yeah. It says in the book, you know, God will do for I me. Mean, I don't like, if you don't like the word God, it's just pointing at that nothingness. But God will do for us what we could not do for ourselves. What we cannot do for ourselves is we can't get out of self. Can't get out of self as a self. Getting out of trying to get out of self as a self is being in self. It's tricky. You think you're getting out of it, but it's just another form of being in it. That's all how it works, yeah. Because self can't get out of self. We're just questioning. All right. Well, maybe if I can't be in self, that would be like being out of self. Exactly. I cannot possibly be a self, so that's what I would call the experience of being out of self. The impossibility of being in it. (laughs) It's just another way of getting to it, but I think it works better. 
<laughs> the downloads will definitely confer some information to you, for sure. The timelessness of the quality of the solution will become emphasized over, in, in funnily, oh, funny over time. Yeah, you'll realize that it's, it's uh, you'll get a huge amount of info in a, not a, in like a nanosecond. So it's coming from a timeless place that doesn't have to have more time to produce more quantity. It's the quality and the quantity isn't is engaged by uh, time. Yeah. So you get this flavor of timelessness. So therefore, in every moment of time, what's the basis of that moment of time? Timelessness. Yeah. There's always, every moment that we try to partition and make it a day before and a day later, but every moment has the same quality. There's an onness, or there wouldn't be a moment. There's got to be an awareness or a consciousness for anything to be noted. Yeah? For you and me to have an experience, there must be consciousness. The, the me is an addendum. The me is an add-on. The sense of being the you who's experiencing. But I would say consciousness is facilitating the contact here. Like we say in AA, conscious contact. I don't think they imply meaning. I believe it's just a basic state of the day. Consciousness is in contact. Yeah? Mental process is just try to claim that activity and say it's me. Yeah? I'm the one who's in contact. And as soon as the me claims it, then it can do its little game of... Uh, more and less. So now I can become more conscious or less conscious. But if you really entertain the fact that all there is is consciousness, the old, the, the whole idea of more and less becomes pointless. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that's what's happening here. Consciousness is in contact, and the mental process produces a sense of a me, which is the act of claiming everything that it comes in contact with. And so one of the things it comes in contact with is the conscious contact. And so it says, it's me that's seeing. It's me that's hearing. It's me that's feeling. Yet, if I'm looking out the window, if my eyes open, I'm going to see what goes by. It has nothing to do with me, does it? If a sound occurs in the other room, my ear's going to hear it. What's hearing it? Is it the eardrum that's hearing it? Or is it, does the eardrum facilitate the hearing of it? I would say consciousness is what's hearing it, yeah? Consciousness is, is being, it, the act of, of vision is facilitated by the eye, but the eye is definitely not seen, because you can take a, a dead person who has a perfectly good eye, not, that eye is not seeing anything. If you take it out of a dead person's head and put it in a live person's head, it would facilitate seeing again, yeah? So it's a, the senses are facilitating something. I don't think they're the producer or the doer of the contact. They're facilitate, facilitating the contact. I would say it's consciousness that's in contact. Yeah. I would say we are the consciousness, not the middle man or middle woman called me. Yeah. If that's so, then how could that, which is consciousness, be unconscious? It would be going against its very nature, which is consciousness. Yeah. So all this is is about freeing us up from a stuck location because in that location there's only a certain amount of possibilities the mind can entertain. 
It can't even entertain being okay. It can only entertain I will be okay or I once was okay. Yeah. Soon as the mind is in self-centeredness, it's very limited the possibilities it can entertain. Yeah. If it's free from that, it opens up a bigger spectrum of possibilities. Like you're inherently okay. What? Oh yeah, you are. You know what I mean? There is really fucking no time. This is working time, but it has no reality because every moment has the same ingredient of nowness. Yeah. No matter how much you think about a future moment, when you arrive there, it's going to be now. There's no escaping the now of this place. And even that word's weird. But this space is always the space. And I don't believe we're in the space. I, I believe we are the space. Yeah, this is an appearance in the space, but it's not me appearing, in a way. <laughs> I know, I'm serious. Were we born? Like an old Hindu statement is, we're all children of a barren mother. Yeah. How could we have been born if exactly? That's what he's trying to apply. We're all children of a barren mother. Nothing ever happened. There was no... We did not come into, we're not a body. Yeah? We're, we're what's looking out of the body. So, I don't know, it freed me up a lot. So that's why I keep coming here every week and sharing it. <laughs> For years, I have no real say in the matter. It's like a seed assignment. If I come here, if no one's here, I'd still be here. <laughs> I feel strong honoring of it, and I do believe that... Uh, you can recognize people's suffering, yeah? And it may be arrogant of me, but I actually have a sense that I could diagnose that suffering and that this is a good solution to it. It's not a special solution or a very uh, occultish solution. I think it's really a dog shit awareness solution. It's just so obvious we can't we can't see it. You know, it's like the fish probably never knows about water, even though it's been in it all its life. It just sees things in the water, but it probably doesn't have a sense of water. It only has a sense of water when it's taken out of it, and then it's flipping out. But while it's in the water, I bet you there's no sense of water. But when it's out of water, yeah. This is nice. It was, this is like being a fish, but knowing you're in water while you're in the water. Not to realize, oh, that was water when you get pulled out and then you're dying. <laughs> I think it's a good idea to recognize the water now. <laughs> you're not going to the water of heaven, I'm telling you. <laughs> the body ain't going anywhere. <laughs> it's going in the ground. And so is the voice in the head. It's like a little voice box. When the body stops, it stops. There is no you lingering over it. The sense of you is produced by the brain. It's not, it's not a soul flying around. If there is a soul, it ain't the you. <laughs> Probably asking, what the fuck did I walk into today? <laughs> I'm already listening. Huh? I'm already listening. <laughs> yeah, that's good. What's your name? David. Nice to meet you, David. Yeah. How long have you been in the recovery? Oh, Hold on, we want to protect you.